Hi, this is Vicki. My co-host for this episode was Dud Gramley, and still is, pretty much. Dud is the only co-host that still records remotely, so his audio does normally sound like it's coming from a remote location. But in this episode, something went terribly wrong, unless he really was in a tunnel underwater. Due to scheduling issues, the way we decided to fix that was instead of recording the whole podcast over again, I transcribed as much of Dud Gramley's audio as I could, and Doug, our synopsis reader, looped it in. So it is Dud Gramley's dialogue that you'll be hearing. It will just be looped in by Doug, our synopsis reader. So as someone who watched a lot of soap operas when she was young, and maybe they still do this, I don't watch them anymore, so I don't know, I'm kind of excited to have the opportunity to say once at least. In today's episode, the part of Doug Gramley will be played by Doug, the synopsis reader. But wait, there's more. Just to make things more confusing and more of a mismatch, after Doug completed looping in all of Doug Gramley's lines, and please be aware that he is reading dialogue with no context. He's just reading lines. I realized at the last minute that there were a few one-liners that got missed on the page probably because they were one-liners. So because they were just little short lines, I decided to have DC loop in those lines for us. So this episode is a total mismatch, but I'm sure it'll be entertaining just listening to the different voices that are supposed to be one person. So now I can say, in this episode, the part of Doug Gramley is played by Doug, the synopsis reader, and also... DC, the What's Next announcer. So in this episode of What Else Can Go Wrong, I give you the season two finale, A Night at Global Dynamics. Thanks for listening. Hi, you're listening to... Yeah, it can't be good! A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka. Let's get started! Hey, it's Doug with the TV Guide Synopsis. Season two... Episode 13, A Night at Global Dynamics, first aired October 2nd, 2007. Conclusion, Season 2 closes with Carter and Stark combining efforts to save Allison's son, Kevin, and thwart the spread of an aggressive virus. Creators Andrew Cosby and Jamie Paglia, written by Jamie Paglia, and directed by Michael Lang. Thanks, Doug. Previously on Eureka, I always wanted to say that too. What's up? We still have a problem. Bringer Bio has been sued. This man only died a week ago, and this is all that's left. Bone fragments, ceramic dental crown, and a plastic stent planted in this dead man three years ago. I like where this is going. What if the metal-eating bacteria mutated again before we caught it all? Right here in the morgue. It started jumping to people. I think it's attacking the iron in our cells, and this body is ground zero for the next stage. I hate this day. Now I'm going to run some tests and hopefully it'll remain a contact germ. But if it goes airborne... Yeah, I got to tell Allison. Well, I already told her. And Stark. Now I'm sure he's on it. We'll take care of the science. You take care of the town. People may have to get out of here real fast. Hi, this is Vicki. And I'm here with my co-host, Doug Gramley, for Season 2, Episode 13. The Season 2 finale, A Night at Global Dynamics. I just want to say I'm losing my voice, and I think if we keep talking, it'll hopefully get a little better as we go along. I don't know how you feel about it, but this is one of my favorite episodes, except for the Henry part. It's a little frustrating to me because I feel like 
if somebody just stopped and said, hey, this is what we're doing, there wouldn't be a need for the episode. Right. All of this could have been avoided. All of it. Once again, I feel sorry for Henry because, well, we'll get to it. This episode starts immediately after episode 12. Henry has called Carter and told him there's um, a code red biohazard. Whatever was happening with the metal turning into gold in the last episode, Henry has convinced Carter that it, it is now mutating into something that can kill humans. Yes, it mutated into a flesh-eating disease, according to Henry. And of course, Carter buys it. Yeah, and why wouldn't he? It's Henry. Yeah. So the end of the last episode, we see that a code ride biohazard was called, and we see that Henry has Beverly in Allison's office. There's, so in Allison's office, we have Allison, Kevin, Beverly, and Henry. Allison's office turns into a bunker and drops, I forget how many feet, underground, which it's supposed to do during a, you know, a crisis, any kind of crisis, to keep the head of GD safe. So that happens, and we see that Carter and Nathan see this happen. Both of them believe that there's this biohazard going on, and they're made to evacuate GD. They're told that there are people being kept in Section 4, I believe, but everybody else has to evacuate, and they're told to evacuate. Fargo, Nathan, and Jack go to Nathan's creepy lab to try to contact the DOD, and the DOD has not heard from the bunker. The bunker is supposed to automatically tie into the DOD when it drops to its safety place, and they haven't heard from it. They leave Fargo in Nathan's lab. Carter and Nathan are going to go back into GD with after they get Taggart. The three of them are going to go back in to try and find out what's happening. I feel like GD should be able to scan for a biohazard. Don't you think they would have something that if there was a biohazard, they'd be able to scan to see what, if it was actually true? And normally it would, but Henry, we find out later, fixed the system. So to everybody else, there was a biohazard, and the building was scanning a biohazard. Okay, I must have missed that part. We find out later Henry's behind all of this. Henry fixed the system to show that there was a biohazard after he shows Carter the skeleton. He, he fixes it so there's a biohazard. He fixes it because he knows that the bunker is going to go underground. We're jumping ahead, but he knows that there's that teleportation device in the bunker. And he knows that the teleportation device is what's going to help Kevin. He makes it look like he's working with Beverly, because Beverly's just as shocked to find herself in this bunker as Allison and Kevin. He planned this ahead of time. He planned it so everybody would be evacuated from GD and that the bunker would fall. He did it to help Kevin. But he doesn't tell anybody? He doesn't tell anybody because, for some reason, he needed Beverly for the information about Kevin and the artifact and to help him use this machine. He needed Beverly to make it look like he was going to take Kevin away from Allison. So he was behind all this. He found out that Kevin was being affected by the artifact. They wouldn't let him help, and he knows how to help him. He knew that chair was down there. We found out later, Nathan figures it out. Tim and Henry worked on that teleportation project. Henry's intentions are good. He just went about it the wrong way. And he was mad because he, they didn't let him in, and he could have helped. Unfortunately, he didn't have all the information, so he could have actually killed Kevin. 
he didn't know he needed an original set of DNA because Kevin's DNA had changed. So he went in there to help Kevin. He went in there to help them. So I don't know why he had to continue to put on a show in front of Allison that he was going to take Kevin when he knew all along he wasn't going to take Kevin. I'm not really sure what he needed Beverly for in the bunker. He had to have needed her for something or maybe just to set up the machine with the DNA. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he thought that she might have more information. Maybe he was thinking that he could get more information out about, what's her name? Kim. Yeah, I'm not sure. But he he wasn't working with Beverly. He made it look like he was working with Beverly. And maybe he just did that so Allison would believe it, it, there was a biohazard. But you have to imagine that if he got Allison into the bunker and told them it wasn't really a biohazard and explained everything to Allison that he wouldn't have needed to keep up the I'm taking Kevin with me pretense. Right. That's what I mean. There could have been a simple conversation. Yeah, you're right. There could have been a lot of simple conversations. But once he had her in the bunker, there it's not like she was getting away. So I don't know why he kept up the pretenses with Beverly. That part I really don't understand. But Beverly was as surprised to be in the bunker as anyone else and surprised to learn they had a teleportation device. But anyway, Carter and Nathan and Taggart get into their uh, biohazard gear and go back into GD to try and find out what's causing the biohazard problem. Fargo decides to go to Carter's house because he can access his computers through Sarah, through the periscope that nobody knew was there. This was a good season finale. They really just needed Vincent to come and deliver food to Zoe's party to have every single character in the episode. Yeah, well, season finales. You try to give everyone a shot. Right, and it was a good one. Every single person was there working together, but they needed to have Vincent deliver food or something. He didn't get to be in this episode at all. That's right. That's true. So while Carter, Nathan, and Taggart are... Going through GD, Fargo now is on the computer at at the Smart House with Zane. And Fargo and Zane crack me up because they're like um, a mini version of Carter and Nathan. And they hate each other for the same reason that Carter and Nathan hate each other. Or women, pretty much. Is Fargo really that in love with Joe? Or is it just more that he's a little jealous that Zane is considered the cooler one of the two? Well, probably that too, but I think they're a little hints of Fargo being in love with Joe, like when he was in the hospital during the dream episode. He seems to go out of his way for Joe, like in the episode way back when he was in the force field. You know, he wanted to write a letter to Joe, Beverly, and Allison. But he seems to have kind of an affinity towards Joe, and I think you'll see it more later. Uh, And up until now, there's been little things that make you think that, yeah, he has a little bit of a thing for Joe. But yeah, jealousy, definitely, because Fargo's just like that. So they're working through Sarah, and Carter, Taggart, and uh, Nathan are going through GD. And, of course, Carter and Nathan are fighting, as they always do. They can't agree on anything. Bickering back and forth. Yeah, and Taggart is pretty much the voice of reason. They're in the part of the building that collapsed from the gold virus, or whatever it was, from the last episode. A lot of that collapsed, and a lot of it's not stable. 
So Nathan fell through the floor, and Carter and Taggart saves him. And as soon as that happens, Nathan and Carter get along for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I guess there's not as much hostility. No, it didn't seem like there was any. Carter would ask a question, and Nathan would tell him the truth. And I think, like you said, in Try Try Again, when they kind of got along in that episode as well, you said it was because they were trying to save Fargo. Well, yes. There is always that one point where they're interacting with each other. When something happens, then they become civil. Right. And this is Allison and Kevin. Like the one where they're going to save the robot, and Nathan becomes very honest with Carter. He talks to him about being a parent, even though he doesn't really have a kid. But he knows how it feels. It always feels like whenever they're in, interacting with each other, at some point, there's always that kind of turn, and they become more civil with each other, more understanding. That's what I was going to say, because this is about Allison and Kevin, and they work together. There was no arguing after. He actually thanked Carter for saving him, which he doesn't normally do. You know, you could save his life. He's not going to thank you for it. Now that there's a code red biohazard, if they can't find it and contain it, the DOD has to do a thermal cleaning of the facility. I guess the thermal cleaning cleans all organic matter, which means everything that they've worked on and any people left, and we know there's people left in Section 4. They make it sound like Section 4 is the morgue. At the very beginning when they were told to evacuate, the Army guy in charge said, we have people contained in Section 4. They couldn't get them out or they couldn't let them leave. So we know that there's people alive there. Plus, I don't know if the thermal cleaning would affect the bunker. If it does, then they could kill the people in the bunker. Of course, that's a risk General Mansfield is willing to take, as usual, because his first uh, reaction is to kill everybody, to save everybody else. They discover that Nathan's suit was ripped during the fall, so he's been exposed now. They've made it so far into GD that the building now goes on defense mode. So now there's ray guns shooting at him. And the funny thing is, and maybe there was a reason for it, Okay, we know Nathan's been exposed, and they truly believe it's a biohazard. It's a code red biohazard. So they truly believe he's going to die. Why do they send Carter to create a distraction for the guns? Well, I guess they figured that Nathan is smarter and probably more useful than Carter, so, you know. So they make it to um, the morgue, where we find Larry eating a donut, and a bunch of other people who thought they were containing themselves from the biohazard, they shut themselves in the room where the biohazard supposedly began. Right. But this is where we find out there's no biohazard. Carter shows Nathan the skeleton, and then he tells Carter that is not what happened. It was an old skeleton, and Nathan said that it wasn't a biohazard that did that. It was acid. And did you notice Taggart questioned this all along? He questioned this all the way through. When he looked at the building, he couldn't believe that whatever they were looking for had done that to the building. There was another part along the way where he questioned that whatever biohazard they were looking for could have done whatever it did. Nathan knows that Henry took Beverly out of his out of his creepy lab because he saw her. But up until this point, they did believe he wasn't lying about the biohazard. So now they know he's lying about the biohazard as well. The problem is the DOD is going to do a thermal cleaning if they can't contain the hazard or the fake hazard or get the DOD to understand that this isn't a real threat. 
Oh, and this is where Beverly kind of explains the consortium that she belongs to. And it does, but she kind of explains that it's a group of people that are trying to keep a watch on humanity, keep an eye on the things that GD or anybody comes up with because too much power corrupts. And anything with too much power is going to corrupt the person using it. So, I mean, seasons later, we find out that this organization also went back to try to stop them creating the atom bomb. And that's a spoiler. But just to show you that they're trying to do good, the way they go about it is very questionable. It's all wrong. Yes, totally wrong. But you can see how Henry, even though he's not really helping her, seems to be of the same mind. He always has a problem with... GD, and we've heard speeches and speeches and speeches about GD turning a discovery into a weapon. Yeah. So we've heard before, Henry is kind of of the same mind. He's kind of going about it all wrong, too. He's going about it all wrong because he knows how to help them, but they won't let him help. Now, my question is, the reason he figured all this out was because he saw a formula in the alchemist's basement in the last episode when everything was turning into gold. Which somehow made him figure out that this had something to do with the artifact and somebody was connected to the artifact. I don't understand how those two connect, the alchemist and the artifact, other than he's using this fake biohazard from the alchemist to close down GD. But I don't know how a formula in the alchemist's laboratory got him to the point where he knew how to separate Kevin. I always get lost with formulas and stuff. I'm not very good at chemistry. No, but it just seemed to be two whole different subjects. And I know we talked about it in the last episode. I don't understand how this whole thing fit together. I felt like the artifact is kind of playing games. You know. Maybe it's putting all of the pieces of the puzzle in place. I guess, yeah. I get how the alchemy episode brought them to this episode because Henry used it to say that the uh, virus that was turning... Metal into gold is now jumping to people. That's the only thing I could see that brings these two episodes together. And he even says, when I saw the formula in the alchemist lobby, I knew what was happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what they have to do with each other. So Fargo and Zane continue to fight with the system and break down all the firewalls. And at one point, the system turns itself into Fargo. And fortunately, Taggart was smart enough to figure out it wasn't Fargo talking to him. And he figured it out by asking what Fargo thought about Zane. (laughs) Yeah, the system kind of gives Zane a compliment. And Taggart knows that it's all a lie. And it's not really Fargo. I I didn't say that. Well, then who did? Damn. This thing's good. The defense system captured your voice to mislead them. They can't hear us anymore. Don't listen to me! Fargo, still there? Sure am. You're doing just great. Not far now, Tag. Jim calls me that. Fargo, that Zane seems like a nice enough fella. He and Joe make a handsome couple, don't you think? I couldn't agree more. Ha! They're repulsive! The real Fargo is near that. You'll never find your way out. Resistance is futile. Oh my god! Classic blunders. What's that? Never go in against an Australian. 
when death is on the line. So they must have I hate Zane meetings, those two. You know, like the friends I hate Rachel Club. Because Taggart seemed to know how Fargo felt about Zane immediately. Right. So Allison is forced to give Henry and Beverly access to the SRT chamber, which is the teleportation device. Like we said, Henry knew it was there, which is why he wanted to get them into the bunker. Beverly did not know it was there because that was another one of those banned technologies that they weren't supposed to be using. And I'm sure if Beverly's consortium knew that was there, they'd be trying to get that out of there, too. Taggart is asked to get all of the people that were trapped in the morgue out of the building while Carter and Nathan continue on to the bunker. This is where Nathan kind of explains everything to Carter, that Kevin is connected to the artifact and he's probably going to die. And right here, when Nathan is telling Carter about all this, right here you see, finally, that Nathan's obsession with the artifact is gone. It's over. Yeah. His motivation is only to get Kevin and separate him. Right. All these weeks and weeks and weeks that I was saying that Nathan doesn't care about Kevin, he's only after the artifact, and I still believe that was the case. You could tell right here his obsession with the artifact is over. This is all about Kevin and Allison. And I think Carter sees that, too. There's a point right before Henry puts Kevin through the machine. Kevin tells his mother to listen to Henry. So another thing here, Kevin's supposed to read minds, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't he know that he doesn't have the right DNA to put him through the machine? Yeah, I guess maybe he should, but Henry doesn't know that. So if he's reading minds, he doesn't know what's wrong. Yeah, I guess that's true. But he should know, being the savant that he is, he should probably know all these formulas in his head already. Yeah, he said something to Allison like, don't worry, Henry is trying to help me. We don't hear him say that, but I think, you know, it's insinuated when he tells his mother to listen to Henry. You know, and then there's another part where somebody says, and I don't know who it is, says to him, don't worry, everything will be fine. And he says, not for everybody. But we don't know what that means. Yeah. He's able to tell his mother that, Carter and Nathan are on the way to help them. But he doesn't seem to be very helpful in in other ways. Like, if this guy puts me through the machine, I'm going to die because he doesn't have the right DNA. So anyway, Allison and Beverly have their second fight. Was choreographed so much better than that first fight they had? You think so? It, It wasn't good, but it was so much better than that first ridiculous fight they had. Beverly figures out that Henry's not working with her. He's trying to help Kevin to separate him from the artifact, whereas Beverly wants to keep him attached to the artifact so they can learn whatever they can learn about the artifact. Carter and Nathan finally get to the bunker and break through. Nathan agrees that the only way to save Kevin now at this point is to put him through the machine so they get the correct DNA sequencing, and he's supposed to appear right back in the room. Of course, he doesn't. It was kind of weird. They put him through and teleported him, and like a layer of skin was all that was left. It was kind of gross, like a full figure of dead skin. It was gross. That bothers me all the time when I see it. It's like a snake shedding its skin, and it just stays there. I know. So there was a couple of minutes where they think Kevin is dead, and then they hear him call for her. And there's a part in there where a couple episodes ago I would have said that Allison was worried that his autism would come back, which is kind of crappy of her. But 
it, it's more now that she just wanted to know, and I've said it a million times, I would give anything to get inside of DC's head for five minutes just to see what's going on in there. You know, is he happy? I mean, he appears to be happy, but I would give anything for five to ten minutes in his head just to see how everything's working and how he understands things and what he understands. And she said that she just wanted to know he was happy, and he is. But I don't anymore because I know what she's going to say, but the first time I watched it, I got a little uptight because I thought she was concerned that he was going to be autistic again. And he tells her not to be disappointed, and that's a little heartbreaking. And I'm glad she took the time to explain that she isn't going to be disappointed. Yeah. So they get him back. While all this is happening, Beverly takes the opportunity to use the transport chair to disappear. In the meantime, Joe's trying to talk down General Mansfield because, of course, Mr. Kill Everybody, Kill Him Now still wants to um, do a thermal cleaning. Why he won't take your word for it when he knows that she's been in contact with Carter, Nathan, and Fargo's there and Zane's there. They all know there's no biohazard, but still... Yeah, he's not the type to listen to reason. It's just like, kill him first, ask questions later. But she is able to talk him down long enough for Carter and Zane, who at this point are now working against the whole process because Henry can't turn off the biohazard situation from inside because they're trying to get into the system. Right. But fortunately, they are able to get into the system and shut it down. And so the bunker's released. Unfortunately, Beverly escapes. And at the end, General Mansfield wants to know who was responsible, and Henry gives himself up. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to turn him in. They weren't. I think that's his guilt. And I don't think it's his guilt over what he did. I think it was his guilt that he didn't have all the information and he might have killed Kevin. What do you think? I think it was a little bit of both. But this happened at the end of the first season, too, when he wants to leave, right? He was kind of... He was kind of done with it. He was sick of it, and then he just up and wanted to leave. I think that kind of the same thing going on here. I think it's maybe a little bit of guilt, so he also felt betrayed. He was betrayed by his friends. It was almost like a punishment for them, too. Yeah, all through this episode, like Carter finds out everything that Nathan and Allison have been keeping from him. He finds out what Henry's been keeping from him. Both of them, Nathan and Allison, and I think, asked him, you know, why didn't you come to me? And he said, I tried to. And, you know, seriously, if you think about it, knowing what we know about these characters, if Allison went to Carter or Henry or both of them and said, listen, this is attached to Kevin, we're trying to work to separate them, why would they think that Henry and Carter wouldn't help? Right. Especially Carter would have no reason to care about studying Kevin and the artifact. And Henry, too. I really don't see Henry as the type to say, hey, maybe we should hold off and study him to try to figure out what this is. His first instinct would be, let's save him. Right, and if anybody was studying him, it was Nathan. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of an upsetting episode because they were all finding out all the secrets that were being kept from each other. And, of course, again... Like in the first season when I was convinced they only put in the show to get people to watch and I thought they were getting rid of him after the first season. 
you know, like one of those bigger stars that say, okay, I'll do a couple episodes just to get people to watch and then I'm gone. But now I think they're doing it to me again because he can confess to, that's pretty much probably treason, I have to imagine. Yeah. When you invent a fake biohazard in a government building and then throw kidnapping in there, kidnapping the head of a government organization, probably not too good for him. That was kind of upsetting to me the first time because I was like, ah, oh, they're doing it again. Every every season they're going to threaten me with Henry leaving. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for the episode. And if I'm remembering correctly because I didn't look ahead, come the next season, everything kind of changes. It's not the season you think it is when I say everything changes. Yeah. But it's a whole different ball game next season because all relationships are different and there's new relationships. Do they explain that? No, I just know that now that Henry's probably going to be in jail. So if you're a first-time watcher, you don't know that you're ever going to see him again at this point. At the end of this episode, you could see that Nathan and Allison and Kevin are together as a family. So that's going to change the relationship with Allison and Carter, which means he's probably going to need a new relationship. No? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, him and Allison. If there was even something there, I think we can safely assume that it's gone. Yeah, for now anyway. But I'm okay with that. If that's how he ends up. I know, I remember you said you said that the first time you watched it too. I don't know if I'm okay with that. Right now I'm okay with that because I've spent so many episodes not liking Allison or Nathan. That I'm okay with that. And maybe that was the purpose of turning them into, like, supervillains. Yeah, it just makes sense with all of this history between them. I think Carter can get somebody a little more his speed. Yeah. So did we skip over anything you wanted to talk about? I like at the end when Taggart was leading the group of people with the blindfold on. He says he needed to do this with the blindfold for whatever reason. (laughs) And they're walking into the lobby. And the people are still following him. Like they have no idea where they are. (laughs) You would think at some point before that, they'd be able to figure out where they are. You would think. And again, if Henry just came out at the beginning and said, Hey, I have an idea on how to save Kevin. Let's talk about it. I think everyone would have been on board. It would have made sense. Him and Stark would have figured out what needed to get done, and none of this would have been needed. Right, but the thing was... He had to discover that Beverly was locked up in Nathan's creepy lab before he even knew it was Kevin. He knew it had something to do with the artifact. So they weren't going to listen to him. Maybe after he found out it was Kevin, they would have. But And I think he tri- he might have tried. But yeah, I, there's no reason why they should not... would not have trusted him. Or they... But they weren't. They didn't trust Carter. They didn't trust anybody. Yeah. And yeah, all of this, all of this could have been avoided. So do you have anything else from this one? So if you have nothing else, we'll say goodbye. This is a season finale, so we'll be taking a week off between seasons. We'll be back on Wednesday, January 16th. See you later. Bye. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for season three, episode one. Better the draw. Bye. Bye. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch. 
or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at Gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.